Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey, how you doing? My name is Nolan. I am from Past Gas by Donut Media, the internet's number one automotive history show. That's right, we talk car history, and this week we are talking about a lesser known, underappreciated, underrated, undermentioned tuning house called Tommy Kyra. If you're deep into the JDM world, you know these guys, but for those of you who don't, Tommy Kyra is responsible for some of the most understated and just cool tuner cars out there. They had a really interesting philosophy on how they built their cars. Originally, one of the founders sold AMG and other European sports cars through his dealership in Japan and decided to take that same ethos with domestic Japanese vehicles, and they ended up with some really, really cool stuff. This is a cool story. This was a fun one, really just goofy time with James and Joe. So go check that out. Tommy Kyra on Past Gas, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show today. Thank you. Bye. The 1992 World Rally Championship was down to its final two events. DDA Ariel dominated the field with a record six first place finishes. Yuha Kankinen held second, and looking in from outside in third place, battling with the controls of his Toyota Celica GT4 ST185 was Carlos El Matador Sainz. Carlos would need a miracle win to get back in the hunt for the WRC championship. Specifically, he would need to win the Rally Catalunya in his home country of Spain for the first time in his career. Maybe it was the home crowd. Maybe it was the adjustment signs made to his suspension. But he held a fast lead in the tarmac stages. Ariel fell off the track early, but Kankinen caught back up in the gravel. In the end, El Matador stopped the bleeding. He won the Rally Catalunya in front of his home crowd, becoming the first Spaniard to do so. The top three drivers were all within three points of each other going into the final RAC Rally in Great Britain. El Matador blew away the competition, winning the race by two full minutes, bringing home his second WRC Drivers' Championship. Now, 30 years later, his son, Carlos Sainz Jr., stands in fifth place in the 2022 Formula One Drivers' Championship, finishing on the podium in each of the season's first two Grand Prix. A father and son with the same name, Senior is considered by many to be the greatest rally car driver of all time. Junior is an undeniable star on the rise in Formula One. Two drivers, two very different motorsports, one bloodline. How does a father's legendary WRC career translate to a son's success in F1? What do Carlos Sainz Sr. and Jr. have in common? How are they different? Can driving be in your DNA? Today on Past Gas, we discuss the legendary career of Carlos Sainz Sr. and what it could mean for one of Formula One's rising stars, his son, Carlos Sainz Jr. It's nature, nurture, blood, sweat, and tears all mixed together. The story of the Sainz family starts now. 
España. España. We're going to Barcelona. Dude, that's so crazy that a king had a lisp. And so now for like hundreds of years, Spanish people have just been talking with a lisp because the king did one time. That's where it originated? Yeah. That's very interesting. That's pretty crazy. I love a good factoid, Joe. I'm full of them. You're full. <laughs> I'm full of it. <laughs> you're, you're full of facts, dude. Facts. <laughs> Uh, I I had a thought about this the other day because I was watching Mick Schumacher drive, and he's just seems like such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. And I think his dad was probably a nice guy too, but he had this like he could turn on the asshole, you know. Uh-huh. And I don't think Mick can do that. So I think racing can be in your bloodline, but I think it really takes something else, something like deep down in your DNA that makes you angry to make you a champion. I don't think Mick has that. That's my hot take. That that may be true. We'll see, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, Michael Schumacher, I mean, he's like the Michael Jordan of Formula One. Yeah. And, I mean, if you've watched the Michael Jordan documentary, like, you could, you, you see that Jordan was just ruthless. Because he's he's got that, like, anger that never goes away. Mm-hmm. And he has to, like, keep proving himself. And I don't think Mick or uh, Michael Schumacher was that angry, but he definitely could turn it on. I mean, he was ruthless too, you know. Yeah. He, people, there's a bit of rose tinted glasses with him, but like he was, he was a ruthless driver on course. Yeah. Some would call him dirty, that, and he wouldn't be exaggerating, but you know, you just got to turn that that switch on if you want to be the greatest. Absolutely. You know? And maybe it's not even something that you can turn on. It just happens. It just happens. Yeah. It's exactly. like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. Absolutely. I just watched that video of him like storming David Coulthard's uh, paddock and like trying mm-hmm. to fight him because he <laughs> braked, in, braked in the rain and like, yeah. Oh, yeah, Crazy. yeah. Well, welcome back to Past Gas, everybody. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome to the show. A little different this week. We don't have James with us. Uh, his internet is out. Yeah. He has no He's... way of, of uh, recording or calling into the show. He sent in a, a hand written letter to us yeah, we got we, this morning <laughs> and we're like okay we can't like the this correspondence isn't real time we this doesn't work for this medium yeah maybe if we recorded a podcast during the civil war maybe yeah, this would work but maybe maybe uh so i'm your host nolan sykes joined as always by joe weber whoop whoop hey <laughs> what's up um yeah so um, if james gets his internet fixed he'll call in uh, you'll just have to stick around and listen to see if that happens. This is Guess not you're a just going to have to listen to the very last minute to see if he stops by. Uh, yeah, but this week we are talking about the Sainz family. Uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. is probably one of the more popular drivers on the grid yeah. these days. Because um, he's so handsome. He's a very handsome fellow. Uh, just seems like a good dude. He's a great yeah. driver, too. I think his parts on like Drive to Survive have really kind of helped uh his popularity for sure absolutely yeah. especially online um you know there's that i think it's in season two or three where they focus on carlos and they're like at the signs estate in uh, spain yeah. and i'm like man i wish i was at that oh, dinner that looks so nice i, w- I just want to see it be at the table and just enjoy good company just eating like jamon jamon aberico next to like this beautiful lake yes with all the signs family i would just sit there and just en- I would just enjoy being there. I wouldn't even say anything. 
<laughs> I know very little Spanish. They probably all speak English, but yeah. I'm excited for today's episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Carlos Sainz Sr. was born on April 12, 1962 in Madrid, Spain. Carlos was good at every sport he tried. He won the Spanish Squash Championship at age 16 and was good enough at soccer or football to be invited to try out for Real Madrid, his favorite team to this day. Damn, this guy's good. Yeah, what? Have you ever played squash? I don't even know what that is. I play pickleball, which is like squash light. Oh, interesting. My parents love pickleball. It's very popular in Tascadero right now. I think every, everyone's parents are into, into pickleball. It's easy on the knees. Oh, do they call it pickleball because it's like a different squash? Because a pickle is a is a pickled cucumber, which is technically a squash. It no, <laughs> a cucumber is not a not part of the squash family. What? Okay, well, we can debate that at another time. Carlos spent two years in law school before he dropped out to pursue a career in racing, like his brother Antonio. Carlos started racing in 1980, and by 1986, he finished second in the Spanish Rally Championship, driving a Group B Renault 5 Turbo. He won the Spanish Rally Championship in 1987 and 1988, driving a Ford Sierra RS Cosworth, and made his first appearances in the World Rally Championships with Ford around that same time. The rear-wheel drive Ford Sierra struggled to compete with the all-wheel drive cars on the WRC stage, so Carlos left Ford for Toyota in 1989. Oh, wait. Is this the year that they cheated? No, but I'm sure we'll talk about that. That was in the mid-90s. Oh, and also, I've got egg all over my face because uh, Cucumber, definitely in the squash family. Yes. <laughs> Score one for Nolan. I'm keeping track. <laughs> Carlos's time at Ford wasn't a total loss, however. It was there that he teamed up with Luis Moya, who would leave Ford with signs and remain his co-driver for the next 15 years. Sainz got on the podium three times in 1989 in his Toyota Celica GT4 ST165 Supra Turbo and probably would have won the final race of the season, the RAC Rally, if it weren't for mechanical failure in the final stages. He finished eighth overall in total points despite starting the season with four retirements in a row. It's pretty clear that Sainz has a lot of talent at this point. I mean, he's been in the game for nine years now. People know he's good. He's just got to get that bit of luck. So 1989, the... The Supra was still part of the Celica line, or what? Yeah, I mean, Supra was just a was a, a trim of Celica. Yeah, I know that, but I thought that it had become its own car by 1989, but I, I guess I'm wrong. Toyota Celica GT4 ST165 Supra Turbo. I think they only called the boxy ones the Celica Supra, and then when it got more curvy, that's when it became just the Celica on its own. Yeah, I love my curvy car. I love my curvy car. By 1999, it was on. Sainz drove the Celica GT4 ST165 to his first WRC victory at the Acropolis Rally in Greece, and followed up with victories at Rally New Zealand and the 1000 Lakes Rally in Finland. The 1000 Lakes Rally is driven on wide and smooth gravel roads and is considered the fastest event in the World Rally Championship. When I used to play dirt all the time, dirt rally, Finland was definitely yeah. my favorite because this is a good track. It's so fun, so fast. This is where that that Hyundai i twenty flipped over oh. like crazy. Ooh. This course is often called the Grand Prix on gravel. Signs was the first non-Nordic driver to win the Thousand Lakes Rally in the forty-year history of the event. Jesus, 
This is one of the many times that Sainz was the first to do something in WRC. And perhaps it was a foreshadowing of his son's aptitude for driving on tarmac in Formula 1. Sainz went on to win the last race of the year, the aforementioned RIC rally, to capture his first WRC driver's title in 1990. He beat out Lancia's Ariel and Kankinen, becoming the first driver outside of Lancia to win the championship since the start of the Group A era in 1987. Sainz nearly defended his title in 1991. He won three of the first four rallies, but then rolled his car in Australia in a wreck that left him in a neck brace. Sainz went into the final RIC rally up one point on his rival Kankinen, but ultimately lost, driving the final stages with an overheating engine. Kankinen and Sainz points totals, 150 and 143, both broke the previous record set by Sainz in 1990. Dude, I just lost my fantasy baseball match by one point, and it's killing me. Oh, dude, are you going to have to do some weird wager? <laughs> No, we. I think we only put 10 bucks in, but it's just the principle. I see. Well, better luck next time, Joe. Thank you. Sainz won his second and final WRC Drivers Championship in 1992 in dramatic, come-from-behind fashion. Sainz and Moya left Toyota the following year due to a conflict of interest regarding motor oil sponsorship. Sainz, the driver, was sponsored by Repsol. Toyota's new sponsor was Castrol. Signs and Moya had no choice. Said Moya, quote, If we didn't leave Toyota in 1992 to go to Lancia, we probably would have been the kind of drivers that would have remained on the same team, maybe forever, at Toyota. Why is that a bad thing, though? I don't know. There's a lot of, like, implications in there that I don't really understand. I feel like a lot of drivers, like, you know, pick one team and then stay with it forever. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Just maybe he's just talking about getting like stagnant. Yeah, maybe. Staying on the same team would not be the way things worked out for Signs. Signs would switch teams six times in the next 12 years with plenty of big wins, but more bad luck along the way. Uh oh. Uh oh. Foreshadowing, dude. Signs' first and only year with Lancia was a disaster. Lancia had won the Manufacturers Championship every year from 1987 to 1992, but when Signs arrived in 1993, the writing was on the wall. According to Signs, the evolution, <laughs> <laughs> the evolution of Lancia stopped one year before. I have good memories of the people, but the car was Signs trailed off, not one to talk negatively about anybody. <laughs> was that good? I liked it. Okay, cool. <laughs> the lateral lisp. Yeah. Uh, Signs didn't win a single rally in 1993, while Toyota and his former teammate Yuha Kankanen won the Manufacturers and the Drivers' Championship, respectively. Lancia withdrew from WRC competition altogether after the 1993 season. That was the year I was born. They're like, oh no, Nolan's on the planet. Oh no, we should better get ready for this guy yeah. who's going to be a phenom. Signs moved on to a more inexperienced but highly motivated Subaru team in 1994, oh. where he drove the Impreza 555. This is the gold one, right? No, I believe this is uh, this is the blue one with the. This is the blue one, yeah. okay. Where he drove the Impreza 555 to its first ever win at the Acropolis Rally in Greece. Hmm. This was also his first of three stints teaming up with Con McRae. Hey. Hey, I know that guy. I know that guy. This is cool because I remember we mentioned Carlos Sainz in our Colin McRae series, and I was like, huh, I wonder when we'll ever talk about this. And now we are. Yeah. 
Subaru placed second in the manufacturer's championship that year. Sainz was in position to win his third driver's championship, leading in the final rally before spinning out, retiring from the race, and finishing second overall for the season. Ugh. That sucks, man. That's the thing about racing is just everything can change in like a blink yeah. of an eye. This was the second time Sainz lost a driver's championship that seemed to be well in hand in the final rally of the season, and it wouldn't be the last. Sainz came out strong in 1995, winning the Monte Carlo rally, and then the rally to Portugal, despite driving the last seven kilometers with a broken brake line. What? How? It just barely worked or didn't work at all? Yeah, I'm not sure. Sainz tore three ligaments in his shoulder falling off a bicycle and was forced to sit out Rally New Zealand. I think, okay, new rule. I think if you are, like, involved in something big... You don't take any risks. Don't blow it, you know? Don't ride the bike. Yeah. I almost blew it when I broke my collarbone on my BMX bike. <laughs> we were, like, two months away from shooting high-low. Yeah. And the first season of high-low, and I, I, I could have blow, blown it. It would have been bad for you. You still could have done it, but it would have been uncomfortable. It would have been very uncomfortable, but luckily it healed up, and I was able to do it by the time. But anyway... Not to bring everything back to baseball, but there's a pitcher, <laughs> Madison Bumgarner, who they found out later that he was riding bulls under a different name because he, he was banned from you know doing anything yeah. that could have messed up his arms or hands. And I think he broke his hand and said that it was uh, he was riding an ATV, but then it <laughs> came out that he was riding bulls. Oh my god! Yeah, don't don't blow it. Don't blow it. This injury, combined with a retirement in Rally Australia and a shortened eight-event season, opened the door for teammate Con McRae to catch up in the Drivers' Championship standings. Sainz and McRae were in positions one and two heading into the final stage of the Catalonia Rally in Spain. But because the Subaru team was so far ahead of the rest of the field, Subaru team director David Richards told McRae not to battle Sainz for first and risk a wreck that would ruin Subaru's certain one-two finish. The Scotsman McRae ignored this direction, of course, and went all out in the race, eventually passing signs and losing only because of self-inflicted time penalty he took to keep the team somewhat happy. Signs was not happy. That's crazy. I mean, to pass someone in rally is really impressive because, you know, I think they, they leave in staggered, they have staggered starts, whether it might be like 30 seconds or a minute between the yeah. cars. So you're making up serious time and then you're also passing on some of the skinniest, sketchiest roads. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Would you say it's impressive? <laughs> yeah, Joe, I would. McRae went on to win the final RAC rally in front of his home crowd in the UK to secure his first and only driver's championship. Signs got second, helping Subaru to win its first manufacturer's championship. This was the third time Signs felt he could have and should have won the driver's championship if it weren't for his injury and unruly teammate. Sainz left Subaru with an aching shoulder and a horrible taste in his mouth. Frustrated and looking for yet another fresh start in 1996, Sainz rejoined Ford, driving the Escort RS Cosworth. Sainz finished third overall for the season, behind Tommy Mackinnon and McRae. It was a rather unremarkable year for Sainz, although he did chalk up an impressive win at the inaugural Rally Indonesia, where climate provided a unique challenge. Sainz said, quote, Suddenly you start the rally and you could get a storm full of water and everything and you cannot imagine how slippery it was. The fastest tire in those conditions was the snow tires. Luis Moya claimed it was so slippery in Indonesia that you couldn't even stand. 
I'm pretty good at standing, though. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I can stand. You know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get back to more past guests, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Carlos made a habit of winning inaugural rallies, and this was not by chance. His teammates credited Sign's success to his intense preparation and his insistence on testing and getting the most out of his cars in difficult conditions. Sign's got third place again in 1997, finishing behind Mackinnon and McRae, despite winning again in Indonesia and Acropolis. Man, this dude just rocks Acropolis every time. He rocks Acropolis. He loves Greece. He loves Zetziki. <laughs> If there's one thing we're good at on this podcast, it's uh, boiling down entire cultures into one <laughs> to dish. One side dish. <laughs> yeah. I need to travel more. <laughs> I mean, the only exposure I have to Greek food is like when we order Mediterranean. Yeah. And that's not even like exclusively Greek. Yeah. <laughs> it's Mediterranean, it's a region, yeah. not a country. <laughs> I'm ignorant, and I'm sorry. My sister went to Mykonos. Oh, I'd love to go to Mykonos. What's that? I want, uh, I'd love to go to Santorini and see all those. Oh, yeah. You know, white houses. Oh, I thought that was Mykonos. I think it's a, a theme with Greece is to, yeah. you know, blue and white, like the flag. Yeah. That's right. It looks awesome. Um, I'd love to see the Colosseum. That's in Rome. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see the Acropolis. I'd love to drift a car around it. I'd love to see the the Parthenon. Look, if you're if you're a past gas listener from Greece, uh, email us. Tell us what kind of cool cars you have and where we should go if we ever travel there. We'd love to hear. Dude, we're gonna go to the to uh, the Parthenon, which is, I guess, near Acropolis, or. A temple on the Athenian Acropolis. Yeah. so That's the big yeah. one on the top of the mountain that you see yeah. in every picture. That's so sick. Sorry for that side note. The highlight of 1997 for Signs might have been winning the Race of Champions, the only motorsport event featuring drivers from Formula One, WRC, IndyCar, and NASCAR going head-to-head in identical cars. Once you know it, Signs beat McRae in the final round. Ooh. Race of Champions is pretty cool. We might have to do something about that. Yeah, we should. Let us know if you want to hear an episode on that. 
Signs went back to Toyota in 1998, where he drove the Corolla World Rally car to victory in his first race back at the Monte Carlo Rally. He went on to win the New Zealand Rally and was only two points behind the leader, Tommy Mackinnon, headed into the final event, the Rally of Great Britain. This time, victory seemed certain for Signs when Mackinnon was retired on the first day. Signs only had to finish fourth or better to win his third championship. Signs was in fourth place and in position to secure the championship when his Corolla's engine gave out only 300 meters from the finish line. Oh, no. The engine blew a hole in it. The car wouldn't start. Luis Moya threw his helmet through the car's rear window in what would unfortunately become an iconic moment of Moya and Sainz's career. The loss was almost surreal in how heartbreaking it was for the pair. Moya recalls, quote, I remember a football player from the Barcelona team, a good friend of mine. He said, I can't imagine I'm trying to hit the last penalty in a football match in the World Cup and I miss it. I said, no, no, no. Imagine that the ball explodes. We didn't miss it. Signs still doesn't talk much about the event, recalling it mostly as a learning experience. I mean, 300 meters? Couldn't she just like run out and push it? Maybe. That'd be... My heart would explode. <laughs> the letdown from 1998 bled into the following year, where Signs finished just fifth overall with no wins. Toyota won the manufacturer's title, but dropped out of WRC the following year to focus more on Formula One. Sainz was forced to find a new home yet again, so he went to one he was familiar with, returning to Ford for the third time and teaming up once again with Colin McRae. These guys just can't get enough of each other. No. Sainz won the inaugural Cyprus rally, which was thrown together in just four months to replace the China rally. Sainz's relentless preparation paid off again, as he led the race from start to finish on what would have been a new level playing field for everyone. Signs finished third in points that season, driving the Ford Focus RSWRC. This is a sick car. 2001 wasn't Signs' best season. He didn't score a single victory, but remained competitive enough to finish sixth overall, only 11 points behind that year's champion, Subaru's Richard Burns. Richard Burns, Richard Burns Richard. Rally. Dick Burns. Still a Dick Burns. <laughs> <laughs> Sainz finished third in 2002, one point ahead of McRae, before Ford decided to reduce the contracts of their two drivers to focus on improving their cars. Sainz and McRae left for Citroën in 2003, but this time Sainz co-driver Louis Moya left him due to a disagreement over a contract. The two would remain friends because they're Spanish. Said Moya, I'm more of an open person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of an open person. I speak more than Carlos, and I think that's why the relationship was so good. For 15 years, we lived in a cubic meter together. Of course, we had some moments that were difficult. Of course, there were big silences. But we always got back together. And Sign said, I have very much enjoyed being partners. (laughs) (laughs) I'm probably pissing off so many Spaniards right now. Spain's number one automotive history podcast, <laughs> Path to Gas. Path to Gas. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes that. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, Sainz pushed forward and drove the last two seasons of his rally career with his new co-driver, Mark Marty. Sainz won yet another inaugural rally in Turkey. This dude just cannot be stopped, at least for the first race solidifying his reputation as the winner of new events. 
This is also the Citroen Zara's first win on gravel. Sorry if I butchered that name. Proving it was a car for all surfaces. It's spelled X-S-A-R-A, Zara. I would say Zara. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Sainz McRae and Sebastian Loeb drove Citroen to a manufacturer's title in 2003 in Citroen's first full season in the WRC. And that would go on to be kind of a dynasty itself with, uh, with Loeb, right? Yeah, Sebastian Loeb. Freaking monster in this car. In 2004, Carlos won his 26th and final WRC victory at Rally Argentina. This was a WRC record at the time. It was the last, but it was one of the best, said Signs. I'm sorry to be that guy that relates everything to racing simulators, but Argentina <laughs> is probably one of the hardest uh, courses in dirt rally. The, the course itself is like a super narrow dirt road that goes through like a bunch of volcanic rock. Yeah. It's like if they had a rally on Venus or something, it looks like that. It's insane, dude. And people like the crowd, it's really cool because the crowd is all perched up on top of the rocks. Mm-hmm. But man, that to, to win that, to even finish that is a feat in itself. Yeah. I would imagine that like volcanic rock when it gets wet is probably really slippery. Yeah. Well, looking at it, I mean, I'm sure it's some, some of it's volcanic. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so. Well, wild. that's right on the, the line of fire. What do they call it? Oh, the ridge maybe. of fire. Yeah, all the That's Andes right. are all volcanic. Science teammate, the up-and-coming Sebastian Loeb, won his first drivers' championship that year, and leaned on Science for help all season long. Specifically, crediting Science' expertise in tires as a reason for his victory. Science retired at the end of 2004, but would return to Citroen twice the following year to fill in for a faltering driver. He took fourth and third place after his retirement, which is pretty cool to just come back and be like. I still got it, boys. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Signs remains one of the most respected WRC drivers to this day. He wasn't the flashiest driver, and he wasn't the most quotable guy around. But his teammates and contemporaries remember him for his hard work, his patience, and his determination. Malcolm Wilson, Signs' teammate at Ford, describes Signs as the type of guy who would show up at 8 in the morning and stay until 4 or 5 the following morning, whatever was necessary. Oh my god. Mark Marty, co-driver to Carlos from 2003 to 2005, said, quote, You could receive a call from Carlos on Sunday or Saturday or on Christmas. You never know. But you must be ready to answer the questions about the setting, the notes, about the stages, about everything. Even on Christmas, Joe, you could be opening presents with your kids, and he's going to call you up and be like, Hey, wait, what was the rebound we had set on the, uh, on the rear of the car? And I'd be like, I don't know, man. I'm in my PJs. I'm making <laughs> nog. <laughs> Luis Moya thinks Sainz' commitment to staying physically fit was a big part of his success. Drivers today do a lot of physical training outside of the racetrack, but it wasn't the norm back in Sainz's day. Carlos was always active and good at almost everything he did. Moya described Sainz, Moya described Sainz's competitive nature, quote, He is good at everything. Running, biking. He has to be the best. In that respect, you kind of hate people like that. Every time you'd play something, he was always good. He had to win anything he would do. And he had the ability ever since he was born. We have a lot of these type of people at Donut, like Kanan or Job. Like oh, it's yeah. impossible to beat them at anything. And if you do beat them, you can see this thing in their eyes where it's like, this is not <laughs> over. And then next time you do it, they're 10 times better. They're like, I've been practicing for three weeks. Yeah. Nonstop. I bought all the gear. Oh, dude. <laughs> Job is such a gearhead. Like, if he gets into any sport, you know he's buying the best of the best. Yeah. We are so lucky that Job isn't good at guitar. 
<laughs> but his sister is amazing. His sister has a single on Spotify. What? Look up Riley Job. It's really good, and it bugs me that that family is so good at everything. The Jobs are good at everything. Dude. Yeah, but yeah, if if Zach was good at guitar, it would just be <sighs> over for everybody. He, he, you know, he's yeah. handsome. He can do like tray flips constantly. He can golf really well. He can, he's so good at golfing. He can build cool stuff. Put shredding on top of that, it'd be I over. Know. I think I'm still better at disc golf than he is. <laughs> so I'm holding on to that. We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. So how has Carlos Sainz Sr.'s experience and legendary status as a WRC driver set Carlos Sainz Jr. up for success in Formula One? Well, for one, Jr. grew up around cars. He was doing donuts in the backyard in an electric cart by age two. At age five, he had an indoor go-kart track at home. Okay. (laughs) One of his first memories in a race car was riding in a rally car with his dad in Portugal around five or six. That's pretty cool. Junior recalls being shocked by the speed and not being able to see over the dashboard. He said it was like being in a roller coaster without knowing what was in front of me. By age 10, when Junior was old enough to show his own interest in racing, his dad had retired from WRC, so Junior spent most of his time watching another Spaniard compete in Formula One, Fernando Alonso. Carlos Sr. took his son to the Spanish Grand Prix. Fernando Alonso won the event, and Junior got to meet him afterwards. It was at that race that Carlos Sainz Jr. asked his dad to help him become a Formula One driver like his hero, Fernando Alonso. Man, I'd love to just be able to ask my dad to help me be a (laughs) Formula One driver. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Jr. describes his decision to drive Formula One as, quote, 90% about his own choice and 10% maybe influenced by his family. He grew up around rally cars and racing, but he also watched Formula One with his dad. So how does rally driving compare? to driving Formula One. Ayrton Senna once took a weekend off to drive rally cars, and he described the difference like this. In rally, you're improvising the whole time. In an F1 race car, you know exactly what to do at any given corner. You know where there's a runoff area, where you have to go over the curbs, and you know every undulation because you have to do everything 100 times over during a day of tests. In a rally car, everything is much more instinctive, and there's no margin for error. My only problem was that I didn't want to stop driving. (laughs) It was the coolest day I had since I moved to England. I want to try a rally car real bad. Dude, I want to. Did you see that video of the Ford Raptor doing like this little, you know, it's like a 50 foot jump. It looks small, but the driver broke his back. Oh, my God. No, no, that's insane. Like, like broke a vertebrae three times. (laughs) That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Last week and I went out to iowa and, and drove those pontiacs around yeah on, that looks so fun kevin junkyard Diggs's uh little improvised rally cross course in his backyard and it was a lot of fun but i was like damn i gotta try this on like a faster car or maybe just another pontiac who knows it was a good time though whatever the case between rally and formula one carlos Sainz jr fell in love with f1 and his dad approved Senior describes himself as a proud father who helps when he can, but admits he mostly follows his son's career like any other fan. Somehow I don't believe that. (laughs) Yeah. By age 14, Carlos Sainz Jr. was serious about racing, specifically go-karts. He won the Asia-Pacific KF3 title 
and got runner-up in the Spanish Championship. In 2009, he won the Junior Monaco Kart Cup and was the runner-up in the KF3 Championship. Do they do carts on the Monaco F1 circuit? Or is there, there's got to oh, be a track, right? Probably. Because I would love to drive a cart on the Monaco. Yeah, that'd be pretty rad. <laughs> it actually would, those like hairpin turns would be fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Instead of the bane of my existence when I play <laughs> the F1 game. He was a guest driver at the Formula BMW Pacific Series at Sepang. He was ineligible to score points because of his guest driver status, but his second and fourth place finishes landed him a spot on the Red Bull Junior team. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I did not know he was a Red Bull guy. Yeah. Makes sense because he's a bullfighter. Because <laughs> hey. he's a Spanish. That's a, We're boiling hey. things down to one hey. aspect right now. Hey. <laughs> hey. By 2015, Carlos Sainz Jr. had a seat in Formula One driving for Toro Rosso, where he stayed for two and a half years before moving to Renault. That's right. He was uh, Max Verstappen's teammate at Toro Rosso. Carlos is pretty easygoing. Mm -hmm. I wonder what their team dynamic was like. Probably cordial. Cordial, colloquial. So he stayed for two and a half years before moving to Renault, McLaren, and finally Ferrari in 2021, where he remains to this day. He's doing all right. He's had some He's bad luck. doing all right. He's, you know, getting some good midfield finishes, but this is a fast car. He should be getting top three. Yeah. Carlos Sainz Jr. showed steady improvement through his seven full seasons in Formula One, finishing 15th, 12th, 9th, 10th, 6th, Sixth again, and fifth in 2021, his first with Ferrari. This year, he's reached the podium in each of the first two events of the season. And as of today, he's currently in fifth. Uh, this is being recorded before the Miami GP. So please don't send us corrections on that. We are <laughs> in the past. Although I'm really excited for the Miami GP. Looks very fun. Probably going to be a hoot for anyone who goes. Junior describes his second-place finish to Leclerc, his best finish to that date, as one of his most disappointing days in Formula 1 because he finished behind someone driving the same car as him. Yeah, I could see that, man. Yeah. Nothing to complain about except your own driving. Carlos Sainz Jr. is firmly in the spotlight these days. He's known for his work ethic, his tenacity, and his ability to adapt to conditions and think outside the box to get the most out of his car. People said the same thing about his dad. Junior's career is just taking off, but Carlos Sainz Sr. isn't done yet either. Since his retirement in 2004, Sr. has been competing in the annual Dakar Rally, a grueling off-road endurance race which Sainz has won three times, most recently in 2020 at the age of 58, making him the oldest driver to win the rally. In 2022, he drove for Audi and became the first driver to win a stage of the Dakar Rally in an electric car. In Extreme E, I watched that race that's cool yeah he's in that as well with carlos Sainz senior showing no signs of stopping and junior just entering the prime of his career it seems the Sainz family isn't going anywhere junior has even talked about doing the dakar rally himself one day quote the dakar i will give it a go but by that time my dad will probably be over 70 years old and i will hope by then for the health of my mom and himself he's still not racing <laughs> So far, neither of them has shown any signs of slowing down, both determined to keep driving and winning in their respective fields. Like father, like son. Sort of. 
I feel like like Junior has had bad luck this season in Formula One. He keeps getting yeah smashed into. It's not even his fault. He's had he definitely he's just a run of bad luck. Yeah. Hopefully something changes for him because you know I, it's hard now for me to root for one single driver. I yeah. root for all the guys at the same time, but I just want to see him do well because he does seem like a pretty deserving guy. And he's got a great work ethic, and he's never on the radio talking smack about the car or his team or whatever. Like he's just a solid dude, and he like a lot of these drivers are rich kids, obviously, who feel entitled. And you, I never get that vibe from him. Even though he did have an indoor kart track at his house. Um, Even yeah. though that's an insane thing to have <laughs> that's an insane as a thing. child. Yeah. 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 But, you know, you, like you said, he just seems like a solid dude. You just get a good feeling from him. So yeah. I want to see Carlos do well. He's one of the reasons I'm a Tifosi this year. Oh, all right. <laughs> all right. Should I read this? Uh, we have a letter from Trevor. All right. Hi, guys. Got passed by a golf on the highway today with a tiger vanity plate that said lasagna. <laughs> made, me think, <laughs> made me laugh and think of you guys in the video game episode. Love the podcast. Signed, Trevor. Well, thank Thanks, you, Trevor. Trevor. That's a dope-ass vanity plate. And, I love it. And uh, plate combo. Love it. Love it. I can already see Nolan is jealous of it, wants to get the I want California one that says La Saga. Why? Or my, my La Saga. What does that mean? Uh, there's a meme about that someone dropped the lasagna on the floor. No, never mind. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in the video game episode, Nolan uh, brought up there's a, a Garfield racing game that I think, yeah, while we were recording, Nolan was buying it for his <laughs> gaming PC and then maybe played it twice and was like, this game sucks. Yeah, it did suck. But Nolan is a huge lasagna cat fan. I'm a big Garfy fan, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a Garf head. Big time. All right. Well, if you'd like to if you'd like to hit us up about whatever, uh, get in contact with us. Yeah. Uh, it's passgas at donutmedia.com is the email. Uh, send us whatever. Uh, don't send anything alive. Um, yeah, if you want to correct us on anything, I know we talk out of our butts a lot of the time. I mean, everything in the script is researched. I talk out of my butt a lot, so if you want to correct me on anything, do it. Do it. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber. Follow me at Nolan J. Sykes. James did not join us today, uh, but you can still follow him at James Humphrey. Follow Donut Media on all social media at Donut Media. Big thank you to our producers this week, Thomas Ouellette yeah. and Gavin Kinsell. And our writer this week, Josh Simpson. And if you Josh like Simpson, if you like this podcast, uh, we have a couple new podcasts coming out. Uh, one is called The Long Way, where James and Jeremiah interview people about their cars that they've had in the past and and stuff like that. It's fun. And also an F1 podcast. If you like F1, you enjoyed this episode. Yep. Keep an ear out for that one. Title is uh, not decided on yet. Not decided on, but it's coming down the pipe. So stay tuned. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening.